0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You are now tuned in to the Believe Network. Do you believe?
1: Partners at Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that Major League Baseball is back as well. Who will you be picking to win the World Series? Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. So head over to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and use our promo code Believe. that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, the host of Believe in Sports Lobby, the Believe Network. Today is Monday, May 9th, 2022. As always, appreciate you being with us and making us the number one sports law podcast in the world. Today, we have a very special guest with us, Cheryl Bain, who is a PR uh, specialist and uh, in the uh, sports uh, industry and and legal industry and beyond. So glad that she was able to join us as part of the uh, uh, Cal State Long Beach Graduate Sport Management course and um, hope that you enjoy the show. This is uh, episode uh, 19 uh, of season four. So sit back and enjoy the show. All right. So we have a very special guest with us today, uh, Cheryl Bame, who is uh, a branding a PR expert and, uh, and somebody that I connected with a few years back uh, at, a, at a networking event uh, up in Los Angeles. Um, but uh, she's very well respected in the legal space um, and, in, in helping attorneys and law firms and other businesses, uh, with wow. their, with their public and media relations. Uh, she is, um, the uh, principal, um, at BAME public relations. And, uh, so I'll, I'll sort of, I'll stop there and, uh, Cheryl, welcome to, uh, to the
0: class. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah. So, um, could you tell us a little bit about, uh, sort of what you do and, um, and, and sort of how do you got into, to doing what you do?
0: Absolutely. I started Bain public relations in 2005, um, willingly, but also unwillingly because I had a boss who retired and said, go take your PR practice and move it someplace else because I'm shutting down the office in Century City. So, um, I was. I consider myself a PR practitioner first, before an entrepreneur. But I quickly learned how to be an entrepreneur. Um, So I established my business then, and my clients uh, were in the real estate industry up to 2008, and um, it's when the market kind of tanked for real estate. And but but now, majority of my clients are in the legal industry, and for you know, people in your class. I mean, you know, everything that I'm going to be talking about applies to any professional in any industry. Um, it's because it, it, it's about personal branding. How do you want to be positioned? How do you want to be known in among your potential clients, your current clients, um, any industry? What do, you, what do you want to be known for? Um, and we can talk more about that. But I didn't start my career as a PR professional. Um, I had a passion for journalism. So I went to journalism school at the University of Arizona and quickly got a job out of school at a newspaper, but I declined it because I always wanted to do TV news. So I started uh, working my way up Ladder. Um, you started lo- very local, and I was living in Los Angeles and I was doing a lot of local, um, really local news at like cable stations. I also worked behind the scenes it- at um, KCAL and KCBS. Actually, during the OJ trial, that's when I started <laughs> my TV career, um, even though I did some internships in college and things like that. But <clears throat> and then I got my first. In front of the camera job up in Medford, Oregon in the TV business, you have to move around the country, um, you know, working your way up, getting experience. And then my second job was in TV was um, in front of the camera was as an anchor reporter in Toledo, Ohio. And um, in 2000, I decided to leave the industry and move back to Southern California and started doing PR for hospitals and doctors because I actually had an affinity for doing medical news. I loved telling stories about um, people who overcame diverse um, adversity. And so um, and I was always inspired by the healthcare industry and what they were doing with technology and advancements in care. And so um, and then I met my former boss uh, who was doing work with law firms and that's where I started there um, working with law firms. And I would say about 90% of my practice is, uh, working with legal professionals.
1: Oh, that's great. Um, and then, so Cheryl, I guess, um, do you sort of feel like, I know that your path initially were in, you know, sort of broadcast television and going that route, or do you feel like, like you chose your career or it chose you, like, what are your thoughts on that?
0: I chose my, I chose both careers. Um, I always knew from an early age that I wanted to do be in, be in journalism and do TV news. And then and my entire path through even high school was all directed towards getting to journalism school, getting internships, which is really important, finding mentors that educated me on what to expect, the things that I needed to learn, um, the internships I needed to get the experience. Because in the TV news business, it's really a bad experience, not necessarily where you went to school. So um, even though, you know, journalism school at University of Arizona was well-respected, I definitely was more, I knew it was more about the experience, the hands-on experience. So I really, I quickly built my resume even through college. And then I, um, you know, I left the business and so I chose public relations. That was like the next path. Um, you know, there's so many more interesting jobs out there in communications now as than what was available to me in 2000. So, um, that's why I thought, you know, I'll just go into public relations and work at a PR agency, which was where, what I did.
1: Oh, that's great. And then, um, what, like, so let's say I came to you as a client. Um, you know, I run a law practice. What, uh, in terms of like, what would be the process for sort of how you choose your clients or, um, or what services like you provide. So what would that look like?
0: Well, Jeremy, I'd first ask you if you could afford my retainer <laughs> and if not, then I'd be like, okay, well, let me introduce you to somebody.
1: Else. <laughs> love <You> it. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, a good question.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. No, just <laughs> give you a hug because I know you, I, I say, okay. right. <laughs> um, so I guess it, it it's about the goals. So public relations really follows what your business development and your marketing goals are. You don't start with public relations. So I'd ask you, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to get a product to market? Are you trying to um, just build your personal brand? Do you wanna get more clients? And that's really where you decide, okay, you know what? who are the people I need to meet? Where are the places I need to go? Who do I need to speak to to make to achieve my goals because what i consider myself doing is business to business business pr business to consumer is like you know your product that you would see in a grocery store that's totally different than me building a brand for an individual um, or for an organization like law firm
1: right so um so law firm would come to you and let's say hey um you know, like I noticed like there was this, like, let's say I, I if I won an award or if uh, I um, wanted to promote, you know, like I, I got a promotion or that sort of thing, like what would that look like for somebody? Like what, what kind of advice would you, you know, provide somebody?
0: Well, typically we work with clients that are looking for long-term strategies, not just one-off, like uh-huh. promote, promote me because I won an award or um, we can do that sometimes it's writing a news release, putting it on the website, it's put, you know, promoting it via social media, but you're not going to get a lot of media interest in um, somebody winning an award because so many people win awards. So what we typically do is, you know, again, we identify what are, what are your goals? What are you trying to achieve? And then we put together a plan where it's like, okay, well, and it depends. I mean, you're a solo Jeremy, so it's just you. Sometimes we work with firms with, 500, 700, a thousand attorneys. So then we have to figure out, okay, what are the practice areas? What industries do you want to be known in? Who are the people we're going to be promoting? And then we talk with those people individually and say, okay, what, what are you trying to achieve? Okay. You want to be known in the, um, iGaming space. Do you want to be known in the real estate market? Do you want to be known, um, in the sports industry? So what publications do you, should you be writing for what, what reporters should you be speaking with and then let's identify conferences that you should be attending or speaking at. When you're starting your career is really about building your network. And so we advise on that as well. Using LinkedIn, connecting with people is 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 your target market on social media what platforms is your target market um, on? So let's identify strategies to get your name out there and you know get your expertise out there. Um, so this just, it, again, Jeremy, it depends on the organization's goal or an individual's goal. I would say for somebody like you, podcasting is fantastic. It's a great platform for you to show people who, you know, what, you know, and then it gives you that content that you can go out there and put on social media. You can share with your networks. You can really build that brand for yourself as like the go-to sports lawyer. And anybody can do that because I'm sure you've all, you know, listened to podcasts, you're on social media, you see people doing that, um, every second of the day, um, you know, there's videos, it's just, it just, just really understanding, like, what are you trying to build and, and who is the audience you you're trying to reach? And then we identify the tactics to make that happen.
1: No, that's really helpful. I mean, I remember when I started the podcast a while back, you know, I was initially thinking to myself, um, you know, I feel like I have the content and I have the relationships, but it was like, okay, but where's my distribution? Like, where do I put this at? And it was, wasn't until um, the network came along and said, Hey, we'll distribute this for you. Uh, which made sense for me. Cause it's, you know, the old saying, uh, you know, content is king, but distribution is queen and she wears the pants. Right. And it's like the distribution piece is so important, at least for me, it was, but to your point, you um, hitting your target markets and finding those areas where you can have the most impact. Um, One of the other things that I noticed too, that maybe some folks are not as, um, as savvy and it makes sense because not everybody spends time on TV, but you know, obviously one of the things that you do is like media training, right? So obviously you do the social media, you do the sort of target, you know, target, you know, marketing in terms of where are we going to sort of put this? But talk a little bit about media training and and maybe sort of what that looks like for you in terms of training somebody to be on TV and what they talk about and how they present themselves.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you're starting on your career, you're not anticipating being on TV. It takes practice. And what's really interesting is that we're now using the Zoom platform. And it's almost like you're on TV because I'm speaking to the camera, as you can see, you know, I'm not looking away and I'm not doing this because you would never present like that anyway. But it's, it's you know, you're looking at the camera and, and looking at the camera is same with being on TV. But it's about being natural. You'll probably hear a lot people talk about social media about um, just being natural and being yourself. And that's, you, people. you'll notice if somebody comes across very stiff, you know, very rehearsed, so it's a lot of it. It, it and it takes practice not everybody's perfect the people you see on tv a lot not just the anchors but like even the politicians they take a, it's a lot of practice but i think it's really key before you speak to a reporter to really understand how to work with a reporter and there's a lot of resources out there even just online or people like me that you know can offer advice because there are some nuances to it let me tell you i've had numerous clients so, I mean, professionals, like they just are at the top of their game that will talk to a reporter and slip up. And I've I had an attorney quoted um, saying, you know, the, the S word, the shit. And I, he was like, how did that happen? I said, well, if you got too comfortable with the reporter, of course they're going to quote you saying that's really interesting and entertaining. And so, um, you know, it's just really understanding that, like, Talking to a reporter um, and they'll quote you, and that quote may live forever on the internet. <laughs> Understanding that, um, you know, is important. But um, you know, definitely before you engage with the media, you should really understand the rules of the game. Yeah. Get coaching.
1: No, I love that. I, you know, it's funny. Like early on, I did some acting classes um, when I was like in junior high and did some plays, and that 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 sort of um, action really helped me you know, later on in life in terms of how to present. And then of course, practice is everything, right? So every opportunity you can get to get in front of a crowd, you, you, you know, slowly, but surely get rid of those butterflies, or at least you get rid of that wrenching pain of getting in front of a crowd, you know? Um, So, you know, obviously social media is a big part of what everyone does these days. Um, You know, you have, you know, on the sports side, you have college athletes now with name, image, and likeness putting so much, you know, effort, money, and time into um, promoting on social media. Companies put huge portions of their advertising budget towards influencers. Um, And of course, all of us use social media, even whether it just be for fun or what have you. Uh, How big of a part of that is a part of your sort of practice? Um, And what are some of the strategies that you sort of um, implement or utilize without giving away your trade secrets, of course, but what are, what are some of the things that you sort of uh, utilize or advise your clients?
0: That's a broad question. So with our professional clients, a lot of them are very interested in all platforms. We, for business development purposes, I mean, these are people who are trying to build a professional brand and, and identify pl- opportunities for new business. I mean, it's LinkedIn all day long. And I advise on that, how to use LinkedIn. Um, even somebody starting their career can utilize LinkedIn, um, the platform, it makes it really easy. And I and I encourage all of you, if you don't have a LinkedIn profile, go build one for yourself. It's like I said, it's very self-explanatory. You can comment, you can connect with people. Um, it's a, it's a fantastic platform because it makes things so easy. Just from your home bedroom, you can connect with people that you may not um, normally have connected with, because we're not in person. But even when you are in person, um, a lot of people are interested in Twitter. Um, I think there's definitely still interest. I use Twitter because I mainly use it as a listening tool for reporters. I wanna connect with reporters, find out what they're writing about, find out what their opinions are. Um, I don't follow a lot of industry people, people in the sports business, but I would tell you that they're, they're all there. So you don't necessarily need to engage, but if you're interested in just finding out what the industry is talking about, um, what conferences people are attending, uh, you know, Twitter's, Twitter's a great place to be. Um, I don't always advise my individual clients to use, um, to use, Instagram for business. Sometimes people do get business. It's very visual. So uh, some of our clients use it for recruiting purposes, Um, but other other people just use it for just, you know, because it's personal more than professional. It just depends on, again, where your clients are. If you're using it for business development purposes, it's connecting with people who are potentially your clients, uh, people you want to engage with in the industry. Um, There's, TikTok, there's a lot of different things. I don't, I don't advise on TikTok. Just, and I'm saying that I don't have tons of experience on TikTok because most of our clients are not on TikTok, TikTok, and not using it. Um, so, but I would say with all of, I saw somebody asked a question about cancel culture with all of those platforms. Um, it's really important that you understand kind of how each one, um, each one is how it all how they operate because. I don't think you'd wanna put a TikTok video on Instagram or that is talking about something that's like super unprofessional when your network there is professional or putting it on LinkedIn when that is completely professional um, and people may be turned off if you put something very personal there. So I think just really understanding like what each platform provides, what the opportunities are and the rules of the road for each one um, of those platforms.
1: Yeah. Well, that's really helpful. And and I'll even, um, I'll compliment that by saying that I sort of utilize like a, a strategy when I'm, um, when I'm posting on social media. And this really goes back to uh, a saying my grandmother would always say growing up. And she would always say, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. And it was sort of this simple saying, but I've used, utilized that in social media. Like You won't follow me for like salacious news or activity, right? (laughs) You're not going to get that out of me. But uh, I also think that creates a brand and that creates uh, some consistency. Um, I guess you could also be consistently salacious too. But um, I I think for me, so when I post anything, I I really follow like really three ideas uh, to to your, uh, to, to basically to the question about like cancel culture. Number one, is the information helpful? Uh, Number two, uh, is it truthful? Um, And then number three, is it controversial? And if it's controversial, I'm probably going to stay away from it. And I'll let somebody else sort of deal with that because it's not going to help my practice or help my business or my brand to be controversial and to share information that's just going to tick people off, right? Um, Other people's practices maybe are different. Other people's brands are different but I think those are strategies that anybody could use uh, when they're posting something or, or sharing information. Um,
0: Perfect example of that too is I think also to Oh yeah. What kind of personal brand are you trying to build? Um, if you want to be known as somebody who's controversial, go for it. But if you work for an organization that has rules against that, you have to be very careful people who work for organizations if fired because they say something on social media that goes against the company's ethics or morals or, so really understanding any organization you go go to, you'll probably have an employee manual that you'll have to sign and say, here are the rules for social media. You know, you can't comment on, if it's a public company, you can't comment on on our our stock. You can't disclose any information that the SEC will say is, um, you know, that the SEC will frown upon. Um, you know, in this situation like Elon Musk, he's almost untouchable. So I think he can say whatever he wants. I mean, he, he's not going to lose followers. I don't think he's going to lose customers, but the, he's a very um, unique, he's in a very unique position to do that. Um, if you're starting your career, I would I would say I stay away from anything that is would turn people off. Yeah. You know, I own my own business. And so I have to be very careful of what I say because I don't want to turn Away customers. I don't want to turn away new um, or turn off any potential clients. So I stay away from commenting on anything that I, um, that is just not part of my personal brand. People know me as just being very professional. And I just feel like, and the key for this, and this is what I do, because I can't tell you how often I'm on LinkedIn, I'm like, or Twitter, and I want to say something and react. And I take a pause and I think, okay, Let me take a beat. And then I call a friend and I tell a friend what I think. And then it's like, then I go back. But it's like, if you feel like you have a gut feeling like I probably shouldn't respond to this, that means you shouldn't respond. Like trust your gut. For sure. But I can't, you know, but look at all those people who say stuff and then they go back and they go, oh, I apologize. I didn't mean to say that. You don't want to be in a position where you have to apologize about something you posted on social media.
1: Sure. No, a good point. And Cheryl, I'll say too that, you know, to your point about like calling your friend, that doesn't mean you don't have, you, you can still be true to yourself. You can still have your opinions and all that. Um, and then you'll have outlets for that. But I personally don't think social media is the place for it, right? Because I think what people often forget is that social media is essentially, uh, it's a public platform where you're yelling out. Like, it be no different if I went to the street corner and started yelling something out. Well, or a networking the, event, right? Exactly. Or a networking event.
0: That's basically. That's why they call it social networking. You would not right. go into a room of a hundred people and start yelling your opinions about, you know, Roe versus Wade, or you know, I mean, just you just you probably won't. It would. That's not the environment to do that in. And that's the same thing with LinkedIn or or Twitter or, or something. or. But again, it's it, it. What is your personal brand? What do you want to be known for? Um, and just know that you have, there's a, there's people with wide variety of opinions. So you may have your own opinion, but you may have clients that don't share those opinions. So you just want to make sure you don't turn those people off. And so the best thing is not to say anything at all.
1: For sure. So what, uh, what would you say is some of the more sort of fun parts of your job, maybe the more challenging aspects uh, of what you do?
0: Our industry is changing so much. I mean, technology has changed, um, it's, I'm sure you've all read just about the declining numbers of journalists out there. I mean, a big part of our job is media relations. It's connecting professionals and experts with reporters. And so it's challenging because there aren't as many reporters and they're shrinking staffs. And so it's identifying opportunities to tell um, a firm story, tell a personal branding story um, without, you know, without all of the options that we used to have 10, 15 years ago. and But that's the beauty of technology because you have podcasting, you have videos, there's, there's and there's more social media opportunities. So um, it's an exciting time to be in public relations, but it's also frustrating because of the declining numbers of reporters. Yeah, And the bias in the industry has changed a lot. Um, Reporters are now um, because of social media expressing their opinions more. Um, There's a 24 hour news cycle on the networks that um, reporters are inserting their opinion into stories. So there's a lot of bias. And so it's frustrating for me coming from a traditional journalism education and background, I'm still surprised that a reporter will give their opinion on the air on a story that they should be reporting on um so there's a lot of there's a lot of
1: that yeah yeah it's kind of funny i think back to like um you none of us were alive back then but back in the like 1700s i remember newspapers would be called the thing that they were so it would be like if this was a certain newspaper that had a certain standpoint it would be like that's what they promoted Mm
0: -hmm. and then
1: if it was a different newspaper promoted something else But I agree with you, traditional sort of side, um, you know, seems to be much better. Take a neutral stance, just report the story, you know, report what's happening, tell us what's going on. Um, So I guess another question would be um, in sort of the public relations space, how much of your job is sort of proactive versus reactive? And before you even answer that, I would venture to guess that your best clients are the ones that are proactive, but, (laughs) but please go ahead.
0: I, we have, we're proactive. Our clients are so busy. It's, it's different than promoting just a product. So if we had a product that, you know, we could, we didn't need to talk to (laughs) that we could sell, you know, then it's, then, you know, it's, we create stories around that product and talk to anybody that would listen to it, but our clients are the experts. And so we need them to do our jobs. And so they get really busy um, and so they don't forget about us, but sometimes they'll go dark. And so we have to like shake the trees and go, okay, what's happening? What, what issues are you following in the media? What, what, it, what's important to your clients? What's keeping your clients up at night? So we have to figure out, we have to be proactive. We get a lot, we have great relationships with reporters. So they reach out to us, proactive, um, and then we, Bring those opportunities to our clients, but you're right. I mean, it would be super, it would be fantastic for our clients to call us every day, saying, "Hey, I was just thinking about this, and I want to talk to the media about it." But that doesn't happen. So we're constantly sourcing opportunities, whether that's uh, through engaging with reporters, finding out what they're writing about, looking at editorial calendars of publications, seeing what they're writing about, um, looking at breaking news stories, whether that's stuff from, you know, let's just say NCAA announces something, whether the Department of Justice, whether something's coming out of, you know, City Hall or, or, or the governor's office. So all of those type of th- announcements are all news events that we look for. And then we identify a source that can actually comment on the news. We have a lot of clients in the sports and entertainment industry that represent leagues and players. So it's we do have a lot of conflicts, meaning our, a lot of our clients can't comment on it because they represent either a sports team or a league. So it makes it very challenging for us. So we try to work our way around it. And we do that by having our clients write articles and we'll get them placed. Um, we we either in legal publications or in publications like the Sports Business Journal, The Athletic, they'll take uh, byline articles from experts. On some legal issue that impacts the industry, or um, you know, some legislation that's being proposed. NIL was a big topic in the last year, so that um, you know, that sports betting is really big. Another industry um, that's all of the leagues are following and engaging in. So um, I think you know, we look at we look at every industry to see what's breaking, what's interesting, what's um, impacting business. And we try to plug our clients into as spokespeople on those topics.
1: All right, folks, want to talk about one of our great show sponsors, Credit Karma. Are you planning ahead for a big expense? Don't put those car repairs or medical bills on a high interest credit card. Credit Karma can help you look for a low interest personal loan that could save you money while you pay off your purchase. Credit Karma uses your credit data to find loan offers that are personalized to you so you can have a better idea of what loan amount you can get approved for. Credit Karma will even show you your chances of approval, so you can choose between loan offers that you're more likely to get approved for and apply with more confidence. Comparing loan offers on Credit Karma is 100% free, won't affect your credit scores, and could save you money. Are you ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see your personalized offers. Again, that's creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find a loan for you. That's creditkarma.com slash loan offers. Credit Karma, apply with more confidence today. Oh, that's great. I, um, you know, and I think, you know, you've touched on these topics, but it's like, you know, from your sort of standpoint, it really is full service, right? Because you're doing media relations, you're doing thought leadership, you're doing social media. Uh, let's not forget about websites because websites are really some of the first places people go. I would say oh, there. I,
0: yeah. I spent a lot of time updating bios. Yeah. <laughs> talking to talking to. Hey, you to help you help update things. mine. <laughs> oh, I did. I re- help re- rewrite it, but it's important. I mean, that's your calling card, your bio, and your your bio on your web on your website, and also LinkedIn. That's your calling card now. And in fact, I go to networking events, and I don't even hand out my business cards. I just say, you know, let me put your name, let me get you on LinkedIn, and I'll connect with somebody right then and there. Um, so that's the beauty of technology and a, and a site like LinkedIn, cause I can learn more about the individual. So it's important to look at all of, all of, all of the areas where your, um, where your name is and identify, make sure the title, make sure you tell people what you do, tell people who you work for. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really important that you make sure it's up to date.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And, and, uh, Cheryl, you're awesome at what you do. Um, And I knew that, you know, uh, first time we met, you know, just in terms of the way you present yourself and the stuff that you provide, but even beyond the website stuff, which is still, I mean, I think it's one of the most important things because you do need a landing page You need somewhere you can go uh, in addition to a LinkedIn and a social media accounts. But you're also doing speaking engagements, uh, nominations, and then crisis management, which is something I'd like to uh, turn to a little bit here. Um, so I don't know if you could share maybe um, sort of a story, st- a story from the trenches, you know, something about, maybe a, uh, something about damage control that you had to deal with and, and sort of what that looks like for you.
0: So one of the areas that we get called for is when a, a, our client's client is filing a lawsuit. So, that's what you call litigation PR. So we identify strategies to have the media help us tell the client's story. So we spend a lot of time with that where I will you know, review a complaint, um, which is the court document that explains the, the plaintiff side's argument. And then we identify reporters that may be interested in writing that story. That's m- my favorite part of the job because it's super exciting. It's breaking news. It's working with the media. So I'm kind of almost like the reporter too, is I'm distilling down the facts. I'm connecting them with my clients. Um, if the clients will comment, sometimes I just let the complaint do the talking, but that's my that's probably my, one of my favorite parts and most exciting parts. It's not crisis, but it's definitely more proactive and interesting. And especially if it's a really interesting case, uh, people are really... People, you know, can get really engaged in it, um, and you know, I love seeing the results where you know, a reporter will write on a story that I presented to them. The crisis aspect. So every every crisis is different. Um, so you can't just say a crisis across the board because a crisis for a company is different than a crisis for an individual. Um, I think it depends on you know what the crisis is a lot of times a crisis when that I get involved in where there's litigation involved and that's when we talk you know I'll work with the client's lawyer which maybe my client maybe not um and I'll talk about well how are they presenting the case um how do we engage the media what kind of what's our key messages um in talking about the individual in the case is really diving down and understanding um all of the issues and Um, so every, again, every crisis, every crisis is different. One of the things I will tell you though, is that I get calls and be like, oh my gosh, this, these people are leaving our law firm or, you know, client just fired us. And I'm like, okay, well, that's not going to hurt your reputation. All everybody, every, just, you know, just because it's a crisis, um, it's a crisis in your world, and the media is the world is moving so fast that a crisis today will not be a crisis tomorrow morning. So it's also helping the client understand, is it really a crisis? Do we need to go full out and you know get a media statement out there and how do we communicate to you know the internal teams? Sometimes it may be bigger than that, where it's really understanding the audience. So the audience may be just the internal the internal teams. And helping them understand you know how the firm is responding or the organization is responding to that um so and then other times it's you know what let's just let this pass over because it's gonna pass and you know nobody's gonna care perfect example is a few days ago disney fired his head of communications over what was happening in florida i'm sure you all read about that um he was only there three months and everybody wrote about it well is it really gonna impact Disney's business? I mean, no, it's not. But in fact, yeah. So that story is not gonna impact this, but it's a crisis in, in the fact that like, you know, does Disney have a reputation problem? Um, How do we, uh, you know, how do they address that internally? I'm sure they talked to their internal teams about letting the the individual go. And, um, you know, how do we bring another story out there about Disney that's positive so we can, hopefully that'll overshadow any negative press that Disney is getting right now. Um, And he got fired because he didn't do a very good job of handling the messaging of Disney. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if, how quickly the story will blow over. But um, again, every, every, every crisis is different. And some of them, like I said, are are quick, and sometimes it will take months. Um, you know, I just think about the, the situation in seaside. I was um, Florida, I do, I'm sure you remember the collapse of the condominium building. I was not involved in that. But that that litigation is still ongoing and so that's more of a you know a long-term type of type of project but um, so yeah yeah i would say that i would say it depends on the it depends on the situation whether it's you know how you handle it
1: yeah no that's really helpful so Obviously, Cheryl, you've been really successful in your career. What, uh, what are some of the attributes that you look for when you're choosing clients? Because I know, like, for me, um, the client interview is the most important part of the process. You know, interviewing them and asking the right questions of, um, you know, sort of, and figuring out what their personality is, what their expectations are. Because I've talked with clients before, prospective clients anyway, and you end up not working with them because you find out that they have terrible personalities. They're not good people. Um, and of course, if the first thing they do is argue over how much they should pay you, it's probably not a good client either. Um, but uh, but anyway, what, what what are your thoughts on that in terms of your, your process as to whether you choose to work with somebody or not?
0: Yeah, for public relations, I I evaluate if they're committed to public relations and if it's the leadership is committed to it. Because the worst thing to do is to get hired and then have it peter out after two or three months because nobody really is interested. So, like I said, for us, we have to, the people that we're promoting um, have to be engaged and be interested. Um, because we don't want to ruin our relationships with reporters to constantly bring opportunities and just have them decline and have the um, client decline. So we ask them about their commitment to public relations and you know if how much they're willing to invest, not just financially, but just in time. Um, and we've we've had many situations where we've worked with firms that have never had PR programs before, and they've been fabulous. And then we've worked with other firms that have never had public relations before. And, you know, again, the relationship is short-lived just because nobody really was interested. Nobody wanted to talk to the press. Nobody wanted to write. Everybody was too busy. So, um, so it's asking how committed they are and how interested they are and what processes do they have in place to make the program successful. And that's, making sure they have for us, the, you know, professionals, the attorneys lined up that are interested in speaking to the media um, and, and that people have, um, like I said, that there's a commitment there um, and people are engaged. I mean, as far as clients, I mean, I can tell when I talk to people, I've been doing this long enough, whether somebody is somebody I want, whether somebody I want to work with, our industry is really small. So I've also called around to people I know and say, you know, is this something, what have you heard of this firm um you know is it some you know and somebody will say well i've heard this i've you know I've, they have a great reputation or they're not well known and you know the attorneys are jerks you know you shouldn't work with them so we've turned down clients i've also fired clients because again you know it's not fun to work with the firm that's not engaged in you know what we're trying to do so yeah. but i'm also lucky that i can choose that i can pick and choose my clients you know, if I worked for somebody else, I might not be that lucky. I did have to take on everything that, you know, that was given to me, but I can pick and choose who I want to work with.
1: Right. I think that's such a huge uh, benefit of being an entrepreneur and running your own shop is that you get to choose your brand. You get to choose who you work with. It also means you're the one ultimately responsible, you know, so you, you got to be careful, uh, and you got to take, you know, take the appropriate amount of risk, but, um, do you ever have the issue of maybe a client that um, can't stay out of trouble, or uh-huh. or that you know constantly gives you problems? I imagine the answer to that is probably you you get rid of them. But uh, but I'm we're, but we're curious on your on your thoughts there.
0: So we don't have a lot of clients that um, are in trouble. So which is great. And again, I have the ability to say to a client, "Listen, I don't I don't have time to work with you. You're you're a difficult client." Um, you, you know, you cause problems for me. I introduce you to people and your, your reflection on me. Um, so, I mean, I guess the question is what kind of trouble are you talking about legal trouble or are you talking about like, there's somebody, they're just out there causing, you know, saying things, doing things that are just, it's, it's bad for their personal brand. There are people out there that love to manage people who have really bad personal brands and rebuild them. Um, I'm actually not that person. I've um, you know I have a low tolerance for people who cause me trouble. so I think it just depends on what kind of per, what kind of what kind of work that you enjoy doing. Um, you know there's people who want to they'll do crisis all day long and they love that. I'm more of a proactive let's build your reputation, let's build your brand. Um, you know, but if if I did get a call from a client who's in trouble, like again, my clients are lawyers, so they a lot of them have to <laughs> or stay out of trouble, um, you know. So I think it's it's. I think it depends on what kind of clients do you want to take on, and who do you want to work with, and what do you want to be known for? Do you want to be known for the people? Oh, that individual will work with difficult people. Yeah, you should go work with him, you know. But I'm I'm the kind of person I just don't. That's not my reputation. My reputation is I want to work with people who, you know, are above the board. Because that's just how, that's my personal brand. Plus, I want to sleep at night. <laughs> I need my eight hours of sleep. I don't want that call at two in the morning when somebody's like, you know, in trouble. And that doesn't happen in my business. But, you know, I would say, if you're building your business, you're going to take any client you can get. And then as you as you establish yourself, then you're gonna say, okay, this is the kind of client that I wanna work with. I wanna work with people who are committed to building their brand, committing to, you know, doing really, doing great in the, you know, in, um, with their professional career, giving back to the community, there's somebody that just has, and that's much, that's much more pleasurable and, you know, interesting to work with those people. Um, So, those are the people I I choose with. But I would say it's, again, it depends on what you're you're looking, kind of reputation and what kind of business you're looking to build. I mean, Jeremy, you're not a criminal defense attorney. I think those people would take criminals all day, or people who commit crimes all day long or allegedly commit crimes all day long. But you know, you want to work with good people, right? Yeah. people who do are, are doing interesting things, things that you know that you you know things that are interesting to you. People who are good people pay their bills on time,
1: for sure. I you know I often find that your clients mirror your personality. If you know, at least that's the way that that I like to set it up. I like to work with people that I get along with. That you know, look, if you're going to work, you might as well enjoy it, right? And so it's like I I definitely try to find you know, try to work with people that I know I'm going to get along with and that, you know, are going to challenge me to be a better person and vice and vice versa. I will tell you that when I first started practicing, I did a little bit of criminal defense work and, um, and there was, there was a lot of that, you know, where, you know, sometimes you get repeat offenders and it's just like, well, how do you deal with that? And, um, you know, and how do you deal with the, with the negative press that comes from that? Um, And I think you control what you can control. But I think at the end of the day uh, when it comes to, you know, sort of working with um, sports agents or, or with sort of talent, I think the biggest thing that I always try to advise is that the you try to advise to basically take, take the higher road and you, you lead by, by example. So, Um, a lot of times when I'm telling, I'm convincing, I'm convincing clients not to say or do something. So it's like, yeah, don't say that. Don't do that. Don't post that, uh, that sort of thing. And then you have to make a decision. If your client continues to do that, they're not heeding your advice. And then, you know, I think you move on or you find somebody that they will listen to. Um, so anyway, that's, that's my two cents, but uh, Cheryl, any, any, uh, closing thoughts, uh, for us in terms of, uh, you know, maybe some, some tips about how to get ahead or, uh, some words yep. of wisdom you can share with us.
0: One of the cli- one of the questions that we got was, um, do work with sports agents and their clients, um, PR, what's that like? I, I work with, uh, lawyers who are, um, they can't act as sports agents, but they are people who, um, represent Professional athletes, um, as well as organizations, big you know, big corporations that um, are either sports stadiums or leagues, as I explained, um, you know, or colleges, or uh, so. You know, PR is the same, and and in any industry. There are some nuances in understanding the industry and who the players are and who the media is. And, you know, you may be faced with crisis, you may be faced with proactive type of great PR where there may be some big deal that happened that you get to promote. Um, So, but understanding that building your your personal brand, and if you work for an organization, understanding that it's important to build that organization's brand and staying out of trouble any way you can, I think that's, those are, those are things that you should pay attention to, um, because we are all PR impacts, all of us, everything you say, everything you do, when you walk out the door, who you interact with, um, that's all your reputation and that's all your personal brand. So understanding that, you know, what, understanding what you want to be, what you say and what you do, um, really impacts that right. What you want to be like, who you want to be known for. Um, so everybody should pay attention to public relations.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I guess, uh, maybe to the point of, you know, sort of being an entrepreneur, what are some of the, the struggles that you've come across, um, and have you overcome them?
0: Well, I've always, you know, building a business is challenging. I'm always worried about, am I going to lose clients <laughs> and where am I going to get the next uh, client? If I do lose one, lose some, I'm very lucky that I've just, have built a great reputation in the industry where if I do lose a client another ones just around the corner, I believe in abundance and I'm very, uh, um, I have a lot of gratitude for that. Um, I just have a great network. And I think the reason why my business is successful is because I do have a great network and I do have a great reputation across the country for what I do and who I do it for, Um, but that's taken years to build. And so that's why my business is so successful is because I've I've worked really hard. I I networked like crazy when I was starting my business, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and I'll tell you, I'm reaping the benefits of that now. I don't have to do that now um, as much because I just, I, but I still speak. I still do everything that I preach. I'm mean, here, I'm speaking to you. I'm constantly on LinkedIn. I'm calling people, networking with them. So that never, that should never stop. Um, you know, the challenge is, is having employees. Um, that's always gonna be the biggest challenge. Um, laws change rules change about remote working i mean there's just a lot that um you have to think about with uh, employees and that's the biggest challenge i would say any business owner will tell you right now is is the workforce and it's keeping people engaged um, keeping people, you know, wanting to come back to work because there's a lot of people aren't interested in work. There's a lot of money floating out there for new jobs. There's so many people moving, switching careers or um, switching companies because there's more money out there, more benefits. So um, those are the biggest things I think about and the challenges, obviously, you know, because I was networking a lot, I don't And we're doing this via Zoom. It's like I'm not able to network and be in person. And that's also something that I'm sure has impacted my business. Right. I would say network as much as you can with everybody you can, because you never know who you meet who may bring you the next opportunity, the next client. Um, and especially like in a class like this, you should all get to know each other really well because you know who knows where you all land and where you could refer each other business and help each other out.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm always surprised where opportunities come from. You know, you think that something comes from your best friend or people that are closest to you, but I often find people who are closest to you are so close to you. They forget that you're there. <laughs>
0: so, right. I mean, I, I get yeah. a lot of business from competitors, so I right. don't consider my competitors competitors. I consider them allies. And um, I do have people who refer me business all the time because they either are conflicted out or they just, you know, don't really want it for someone, one other reason or not another, but connect with everybody you can, even if you think somebody is a competitor or somebody will never refer you business, you never know. And it's not just business. It may you may meet somebody that invites you to an event where you meet your next client or you, or, you know, you may meet somebody that's important for your career. Um, I would say the number one thing I will tell you about building your career, your business is networking.
1: I agree. Um, So Cheryl, maybe a last question would be, uh, what do you sort of see as the future of your industry? Do you see it changing more? Uh, Do you, I mean, what are your, what are your, sort of your insights there?
0: I think we don't know what the next technology is going to be. That's going to revolutionize um, the public relations industry, I don't. I think the basics of what we do will remain, and that is effective communication, effective writing. Um, the channels for communicating may change, but those basics are there. Um, I think that's also something that's really key for every industry, not just the public relations industry. But being a great writer, being an eloquent speaker, being somebody who's able to communic- communicate a message. And I would say though that um, we don't know what's to come. We know that the the media business will continue to either be consolidated, or we will lose continue to lose reporters, good reporters, to higher paying salaries at you know big companies that are willing to bring in reporters to do uh, writing. So I think that will continue to change, and that'll be a challenge for us to connect with more reporters um, to tell our clients stories. Um, time is always a big factor with our clients are really, really, really busy. So it's finding opportunities for them to, you know, to tell their story, to talk about what they do.
1: Now, well, I appreciate that, Cheryl. You've been awesome and um, really appreciate your time. And and obviously always good to see you. All right. Well, thanks again for listening in, folks. Uh, that was uh, Cheryl Bame, uh, PR specialist, as a special guest on this week's show for Believe in Sports Law with Jeremy Evans. As always, I'm your host, Jeremy Evans. Appreciate listening in and look forward to being back with you next week. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you so much.